All right, now it's going. Test. We get one final test from you. The yeet in skeet falls mainly on the peat. <laughs> it sounds good. Hey, I'm Jarrett. I am joined by Nick and Esther. We are three different people, three different brands, and we decided to start a podcast. Yes, we, yeah. And every episode, one of us invites a guest. Sometimes they're surprised, sometimes they're not. They're either a brand or a entrepreneur or a mover and shaker, which is Nick's thing to do. My favorite words. He frequently moves and shakes. And we like to chat about uh, highs and lows and maybe a crazy story or two. Oh, uh, we all have one. So, so TJ, I want to make sure that I do pronounce your name, your last name right. Waldowski, right? That's better than I can say it. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, TJ is a Kalamazoo entrepreneur and community leader, and co-founded one of the most epic breweries in Kalamazoo, One Well Brewing, uh, in 2014, and then ran the company for five years. Uh, TJ sold his half of One Well. Uh, the brewery, the restaurant, and the production facility in 2019, and has since been providing business consulting services for local companies. Um, he's also fixing up, fixing up an epic house, not too far by me, right? Uh, we're in the West Main Hill neighborhood, yeah, so I yeah. start home there. Yep. Historic homes, yeah, those are... Those are always fun to fix yep. up. Um, and is currently serving as the interim president and CEO of Discover Kalamazoo. Uh, which is the official official destination marketing organization for Kalamazoo County. Well done. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> I mean, Thank you, you made so me look much. way cooler than I actually am. <laughs> Thank you so much, TJ, for, for doing the, the first episode. Yeah, absolutely. We don't know where this is going to go, but this is absolutely just a great start. So. Yes, yeah, so we're just trying this. I mean... <laughs> Man, I, we haven't seen you in like a year now. Oh, Maybe. I think I think I speak for everyone when I, I say that we're a little jealous that Jarrett got to bring you on. I know, it's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> Who's next? Well, or who know. gets to pick? We, who haven't, next, pick next? we haven't decided yet. We They have to do paper, rock, scissors at the end of the episode. Yep, yep. Yeah. Right. You know what's really weird? Um, looking at all of you and having these conversations in <laughs> such a formal setting, or having this conversation <laughs> in such a formal setting when we know we've had it um, in a much more informal setting. <clears throat> in a much more drunken state, I'm sure. Yeah. But so we haven't seen you in like a year. And the last time we saw you, you were doing the woodworking stuff? With- yeah. Um, so after I sold my half of one well, I took a, I don't know if I called it a sabbatical because I was constantly working, but uh, the guy that did all the cool woodwork at one well, um, Tim, he's got a company called Bad Ads Woodco, and we'd been friends through the whole time at One Wall, and he's like a jack of all trades, so he was helping me fix my house and teaching me carpentry, and it was just like a an interesting time where I w- didn't have pressure to really get another job and pursued something that I, I thought was a good skill to have in life, and um, uh, he, he taught me a lot. And then I bought this historic home because I'm like, well, I know enough to, <laughs> I could I could redo this. And that was a year ago, so um, yeah. that's how that's going. But I'm about five years in. Yeah, your house is awesome though. Oh, but we have not made any. In fact, things have just shit has just gone wrong. Oh, this place was a shithole. Well, a shithole for our neighborhood. You know, it's a pretty yeah. nice neighborhood, and it was it's one of the most rundown homes. So. Um, and then, you know, I've been serving on the board of directors at Discover Kalamazoo for four years, and I'm currently the chair of the board this year, and there was a leadership transition. 
and they um the board kind of asked me like hey you're you're doing this house restoration thing it's not that important right could you step <laughs> in step in during the interim yeah so, really doing anything are you? So I, yeah i've heard whispers that there was like a pickling project i was going gonna on. ask about the pickling phase yeah pickling oh pickling's ongoing in my house are you kidding oh. me? <laughs> what is what is the current uh, pickle pickle project that you're the most excited about? Uh, this our is... pickled eggs are I'm always the most excited about. Um, I, I I feel like people don't. You know my favorite pickling thing I've ever had. This was out in Portland. They have pickled asparagus, which is just delightful. Ooh. It is, but it's got to be crisp. Once you get it mushy, it's yes. awful. Pickled yeah. baby corn is probably my favorite baby outside of pickled corn. eggs. Yep. Yeah, but that's hard to find there to usually preserve it. So now I'm hungry. Yeah, so a pickle is not a full time <laughs> job. But for the last five months, I'd, I've been acting as the interim uh, president and CEO at Discover Kalamazoo, just kind of based upon the the role I was in as chair and you know board member. I had some free time, so here I am. It's an interesting year to be a board of tourism anywhere. Oh my god, yeah, it's been brutal. I mean, like for every <laughs> industry, but hospitality has been hit harder than any anybody in. You know, totally. totally, and it's going to come back last. So it's uh, it's been an interesting five months. I mean, it's all the things that involve like big groups of people all being very close to each other. Yep. <laughs> any event that was going to happen happen at any of our hotels. Um, you know, street rides was a, a perfect example that was supposed to happen this weekend, and oh yeah, that's gone. Every event that we've we've pulled into Kalamazoo for this year is gone, basically. So yeah. It's awesome. So let's talk about something. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so TJ, one well was 2014. How is that like when the license happened or is that when the idea happened? Um, the idea happened in the beginning of 2014. Doors okay. opened in November of 2014. So Whoa. Yeah. Wow. So I met Chris, uh, my former business partner, through a mutual friend in Kalamazoo. In, uh, ooh, when I first moved to Kalamazoo, have been gosh seven almost seven years ago he was a he was a good hookup a good guy to know so uh and he had like eight beers on tap at his house and i was just gonna say like did you brew were you like no, brewing i you know i messed around a couple times at home like mm. on extract batches but chris was like all in and had uh, it, it, like i said eight beers on tap his friends would just roll through all the time like wow. and drink his free beer and whatever else he had to offer and um <laughs> and so and, and like you know he, we had different skill sets and i had the yeah. business administration and kind of sales and marketing background and um i was like well i always have wanted to be a part of this industry and he's like oh, i know how to make the beer and it was yeah so we just started <laughs> like writing a business plan and actually looking at spots pretty quickly and the spot that we landed on uh we, we realized we have to do it now and yeah. it was it, it it happened pretty quickly for the the world of breweries. I, I was gonna say that's like a really condensed mm -hmm. timeline. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was kidding. I was super curious because I remember when you guys first opened, there was a lot of like like talk about around the community people being like, oh, they opened up in like a really weird area. And it was like, what, how's that gonna go? And and but it was this it was this thing where there was all that happening. And I don't know why everybody when a new company starts up, everyone the first instinct is like, let me hate on you. <laughs> yeah, let me tell you all the reasons this is gonna fail. Yeah, like let me Every tell time. you why you're uh, you're stupid for some reason. It's, yeah. like, you have to weed through the shit, honestly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for oh, sure. You guys get it too. Like everybody's got a uh, pittings are like kittens. Everybody's give, giving them away. <laughs> I've never heard that before. But um, but they're important too. I mean, I think one of the reasons One Wall was successful is because Chris and I were behind the bar 
for the first year, pretty much every day. So we had interaction with every single customer. You could solve a problem in real time. You could weed through the shit, you know, feedback. And sometimes you got really good feedback. We're like, why are we not doing that? And I think that helped. Well, yeah. I think that's really important too to to be um, at least in a in a like a really public service industry to yeah, to have that face to face thing where you get immediate feedback and not just the copy or the words, but you get like the facial expressions and and you can see yeah. people walk around and what they're touching and what they're doing and you know I think that a lot of businesses who don't start off in that kind of space or doing events or whatever. Um, in a in a very like tangible product business, that's a big loss for them because there's a lot you can learn by watching someone walk around a store or a brewery or a market and pick up your product or taste your product and whatever that like immediate reaction is. Yeah, I mean, even if the product sucked, you can sell them on that it was actually good. You know, <laughs> no joke. But or, like, we've had you, times where a batch yeah. of beer wasn't great. We had, you know, or this, you know, if you have to explain it more, or not, if you don't even have to yeah. explain it, and yeah, we're, we're not selling. We weren't selling widgets. We were selling an experience. Exactly. Right. And you're the owners of the company. I mean, every time I go to a company now, I, uh, or, or a small business, like I'm excited to meet the owner, and I was the owner for five years of a yeah. company. Like it's it's still they're going to dictate what that experience is for you. Well, I, I guess to piggyback on that, like, was it you or, or Chris or how early on did you guys realize that branding and, and everything was... <laughs> I think Nick just farted. Sorry. <laughs> Nick has chair. a squeaky chair today. This chair's the worst. We, uh, we said we were going to fix that before will, the first episode. This question <laughs> we did not yep. fix that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how early on did, did you or Chris... Or, or both of you guys maybe realized that branding and marketing and telling that story um, through all touch points was key? Uh, you know, I had a marketing background, but it wasn't, I, I couldn't take credit for like that, that telling the long-term story. Yeah. Uh, mine was like quick hit type marketing and Mike Clock from Stuff Brain Studio. I'm actually looking at his studio right I now. I know. Yeah, we can see it. Yeah. He's, so uh, is- he's taken photos uh, from his window all the way through to our back wall before, like and we suddenly realized that one or the other of us has to get curtains. Well, but that yeah. was only when Nick was walking around naked, though. So, <laughs> But you feel like you should have the freedom to do that in your own studio? Yeah, I mean, Especially I pay rent. work environment. <laughs> I pay rent here. We're professionals. So Mike, uh, he was kind of the, the vision behind that, I would say. I think we worked well together because I trusted that he was telling the right story. I mean, he spent so much time there just observing and drawing in the back and drinking and dr- drinking. Yes. He got <laughs> Drink cheap, and draw. very cheap beers, if not free usually. Uh, so, but he was instrumental in telling the, the story and kind of interweaving this theme that we already had going and just making it go on forever. And it still goes on. You can look at his branding on their cans now. And I'm like his biggest fan. Yeah. I don't buy one well beer anymore. I love it, but I don't <laughs> buy it because I don't, I don't get, you know, your discount from it anymore. Once it was, <laughs> once it was free, it's hard to go back yeah. to paying for but it. I'm so excited to see what he's putting out next. Well, month. I remember walking in there for the first time and I, this was before I knew Mike or I knew you TJ and it was, I felt like it was a mashup of Bilbo's and Bell's, but like in the best possible hmm. way. Hmm. I always kind of felt like like the oh, old I could Bilbo's, see that the old I could see that. Um, had all those murals. Yep, and I always felt like it was that and Bell's plus arcades. What uh, what was that location before you guys moved in? 
directly before, I think somebody alluded to the shitty brewery that was there before. It was called Sunset Boulevard. It sat vacant for, I think, close to a year, but they really pissed the neighborhood off and didn't really know how to run a business. We learned quickly that everybody coming and telling us about the problems they had with the other... uh, you should just open that on mic. People know what we're about. So I didn't even know there was another brewery there before you guys. Yep. They, I think their their uh, goal was making beer to make movies. Like this guy was this weirdo that thought he was going to make movies in Hollywood and sell wow. beer to do that. And he burned a lot of bridges and with the community, with his suppliers, with his employees, and went out of business, I think, with, within six months of opening. so That's like making beer to flush toilets. <laughs> I mean, I was, good movies. I, I mean, <laughs> so did he, I guess I'm confused about that business model. Was he trying to make movies about the beer? Was it literally he was trying to fund the movies with the profits from the beer? No. Uh, well, yes, the second part, profits with the beer. It was funny. Um, one day, my bus- former business partner, Chris, was building this spot out, and this guy shows up, and he uh, has a camera. He's like, I used to, I used to be in this spot, um, and now I'm making a movie about failed breweries so he pivoted. i mean i think it's kind of clever like well i have experience on this topic now i want to make a movie about it yeah but this guy was crazy so chris calls me my uh chris o'neill i'll give him a shout out because he's still running Austin yeah. brewery and uh he calls me he's like i'm really concerned this guy came and i let him like take footage of what's going on here and i don't know if i that was the right decision i'm like yeah, as long as he's not defaming our character, I'm I'm cool with it. But I'll get a hold of him. So I call this guy, and he's like, "Uh, yeah, you know, he told me his his, his shtick." And then then he's, uh, I'm like, "Hey, I, I'd just like to see the footage before you put it out into the world. I think that's fair. You took a you know video of the spot we're releasing now." He's like, "I can't do that." And and, uh, and then like so like we casually talked again, and I asked him the same question. He's like, "Nope, nope." Third time I asked him, he's like, "You're gonna have to call my lawyers about this." And I'm like. First of all, your movie's going to be shitty. I don't care that. <laughs> Always a good thing when you have to call the lawyer. Yeah. I, the reason I found his contact information, he was having some problems getting his license to brew. And he wrote a letter to Barack Obama saying <laughs> that Michigan Liquor Control Commission, like Barack Obama gives a shit about the Michigan <laughs> Liquor Control Commission. It, it, he's got a problem with them and he's holding his business up and putting small businesses yeah. out of business. And, and so I'm like, yeah, this guy was up. He responded. It's yeah. time so for a change. We learned a lot about how to not run a brewery from that guy, frankly. And, um, it, it turned out. Okay. It almost sounds like his documentary worked. I don't know. <laughs> I've never seen it. So, so, uh, what would you find is the most surprising challenge in opening up a brewery? Cause I think at some point or another, any home brewer, thinks that their lemon blueberry blonde is amazing and they think that they could go ahead and start their own thing. Um, are you, are you t- speaking from personal experience? It was amazing, first of all. <laughs> but, um, oh, when you're giving it out for free to your friends, it's always amazing. And oh, they all say it's amazing because obviously yeah. they're getting free beer. So what oh. would you say is the most unique challenge that you faced opening a brewery? Uh, the brewery? I, I don't know if it's necessarily the brewery, but the, you know, a small business. Um, uh, Getting you get tied to a paycheck when you live in the corporate world, and giving that up and having that uncertainty of what's going to happen next month with bills. Like I wouldn't. I'm so fortunate that I sold at the time I did because I'm not dealing with the uncertainty that you know OneWell is dealing with right now and every other small business and sure. everybody in hospitality and tourism. So that would be the biggest thing. And I I've talked to so many entrepreneurs in Kalamazoo and I. I still do. Like I give out free consulting all the time because I just love talking about this shit. But people have these great ideas, but 
that paycheck, they can't just untie themselves from that paycheck and they end up in that job forever. And I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think there's also, Nick, Esther, I don't know if you guys feel this too, but like for me, there was the giving up the paycheck, which was like a big, like, oh shit. Yep. And then there was the bringing on an employee. Mm. Oh, oh my God. That, that oh, is a responsible for that person. So, that, so that's a part that I think we're still kind of like coming to, we like have it still. And we're still coming to terms with this whole, like everything we do has to be like, if we mess up now, it's not this thing like, Oh, we messed up. And now I'm going to just, Oh, the accountability start something crazy, else, man. It's and like, if you actually care, yeah. You up at night. Well, and it's like, especially everything with COVID, right? Like when, when that all hit and you know, there was all these talks of furloughs and everything. We were like, we're not going to do, you know, it was like, we're just going to continue your paycheck no matter what. Like, even if you go two weeks of doing a single thing of work, like we're just going to keep it going because we kind of signed on for this. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, we didn't sign on to have like these random, like you don't need to like, Oh, well, there's a problem going on. So goodbye. like, sorry, it sucks for you. Like we signed on to essentially like be the thing that this person is dedicating themselves to yeah i just remember um like trying to draft our first like employee handbook (laughs) oh you you drafted one yeah we should have one of those we should have one (laughs) (laughs) and just going oh my god there's so much uh because i i came from before i was doing marketing i was a recruiter and so i was familiar with all of that stuff but like doing it for yourself versus mm-hmm. doing it for a bigger corporation where you feel like you have a safety net, but now like going through everything with a fine tooth comb and just going totally okay. So that could be contested. Like <laughs> it's a huge thing. It's balancing writing the handbook is balancing your culture with kind of the rules, right? Yeah. And what kind of environment do you want to, uh, you know, bring? Is that in line with what you're portraying to the the public? And for sure. Well, yeah, yeah, when Nick and I um, were first looking at hiring, we had gone a full year needing to hire somebody pretty desperately and and trying and trying and trying and interviewing and having the workload to share. But um, the culture fit was the biggest hang up for us. We needed somebody that would be enjoyable to work around every day. We needed somebody that we knew would represent well in front of clients. And uh, that came way before any amount of skill for us. We thought that skill is Mm -hmm. something that's teachable. If you have someone who is a good culture fit and they're willing to learn on their own, that is so much more important than they're an expert at everything, but you hate being around them. Totally agree. And I I think a lot of small businesses, they can start to fail because they hold back on that for too long because they're so afraid, like, I'm not going to hire a marketer or I'm not going to hire a social media person. I can do that. I can do that. I'm just going to take that on myself or an accountant or a, you know, whatever. And you start to drown. And I mean, we were guilty of that. Um, I finally convinced Bridget to come aboard. (laughs) I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, and that's the thing too, is you think because uh, essentially you could save money by not hiring somebody to do this thing um, just because you have the skill set. But think of the amount of time that you're spending doing that versus selling or doing the work that is actually paying and all of that. Um, Even just running social media is so time consuming. So to have somebody that's dedicated to that is so much more valuable than I think a lot of small businesses notice when they first start up. They're like, oh, I'm already good at running my own. There's no problem. Did you figure that out pretty quick because of your background or was that a learning curve too? Uh, um, Well, it was both actually. So the learning curve came in 
when do you give it up? Because I never done it, had done it firsthand. But I, um, my biggest mentor in life is a guy that started a company in Chicago. I worked for him for six years, and um, basically it was like the Netflix of projector rental. He saw you know sales reps going around the country and needed a projector to do a presentation, but he built this company into a multi-million dollar company. I can't say how much it's probably worth right now because it's a private company, but uh, I got to work side by side with him and saw, like I was his first level of management. So Whoa. I got to see how he navigated that and that helped, but I never did it firsthand. Yeah. You're totally right though, Esther, that if you're t taking those things out of your, yourself, um, you can't focus on the, the big picture and that's, uh, inevitably you got to pick and choose what's the most important thing to take off your plate at any given time. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. We've even had this week multiple times where it just be small things. So we like this week we had our guy just building a model airplane for a shoot we had. And I was, you know, like working at invoices and sales and everything and not even thinking about it. I was almost like laughing at him because I, <laughs> Sorry, no, 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 but I, I was laughing at him because I was telling him throughout the day. I'm like, it looks like your job is so much more fun than mine today. And I was like, I want to do what you're doing. And then I realized at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, well, if I had to do what you were doing, I'd be set back like three days worth of. Or, or Nick, you could do what he was doing and hire an accountant or a... I know. <laughs> yeah, the professional services are the most important to me. I mean, I did the accounting at first, but quickly realized, okay, we need somebody to track this long term because I can do the day-to-day -day stuff, but they're going to help us figure out how do we save the most money on taxes? Things like mm -hmm. that. Like, yeah, you, you got to pick and choose your battles. Yeah. What do you think was the hardest thing to let go? Um... Probably the marketing side of things. I really liked it. Uh, mm -hmm. Not, um, I, I would say more of like social media marketing and um, the big picture stuff, which often went to like Mike or we had various marketing people over the years. And I love that stuff, but I, it, I, I was more, I should, should have been giving more guidance as opposed to just like getting caught in the nitty gritty. That's hard though, you know, especially if it's something you're passionate it's about. It's your baby. Yeah. yeah. It's your brand really hard. I think we see that a lot in small companies, actually. There's a lot of people that mm -hmm. uh, even if they are hiring us to help with marketing and help yep. with creative, they still, they want their baby. They they want to have their ideas heard. And it's like, yeah. that's, that's good a lot of the time. But then you have to consider you're hiring somebody for a reason. Like, let them take away mm -hmm. that time. And that's, that's one thing I'm uh, actually struggling with at Discover Count Mizzou is I, you know, have crazy ideas all the time. <laughs> the best kind. But... We have a, you know, a, a manager of marketing, a director of marketing communications and a digital media manager. And those two people are great at their jobs. And sometimes I just like, guys, I got so many good ideas. And like, Shut <laughs> Can the I fuck just up, <laughs> I've got a job to do and I know how to do it. And that's why I'm, I'm here and they're totally right. So. Sometimes it's good that's to have people to tell you that. to me. Yeah. <laughs> Except she doesn't say TJ. <laughs> that I would mean, just. Not all the time. Not, all, not anymore. We had that talk and. <laughs> She's she's remembering my name, damn it. <laughs> Jared, when did Bridget first join you? Um, so Bridget joined um oh, when was it? Twenty fifteen after our son was born. She was doing uh finance for Kellogg and then took her maternity leave. And at this time we were just growing like crazy. We we were filling orders for Banana Republic and Urban Outfitters and we couldn't I couldn't keep up. We had four employees that I was not only doing production, but trying to lead. And I couldn't do both at the same time. So <laughs> goes right back to that same subject. Yeah, so <laughs> she, she came aboard. Uh, I, I begged her to do it. And, um, does she remind you of that often? 
Uh, yeah. How does that how does that work actually? Like you and your wife working so closely together. I found it really challenging, both my wife and I. I, I think it it is challenging. Like we, we do have those moments. Um but I also think that with Bridget and myself, we're very different people. We operate very different ways and we don't try to team up to do things. We actually try to divide and conquer. Hmm. Um, and then we kind of have a checks and balance system where she's like, that is way out there. And I'm like, well, that is too establishment. So like, that's kind of how that works. Um, but so, so we make a good team and a team that I've never really had before. Normally um, I'm used to, to teams who kind of collaborate and, you know, come together on the same idea. But in this sort of team, it's, it's very different. And, it's that's been the challenge, not the dynamic, but the getting used to that dynamic, which I haven't had before. What about you guys, Esther well, and Nick? How do uh, you? Uh, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I mean that's a good question. We uh. But so you're not in a relationship. Think, I, I think <laughs> people probably assume that you guys are all the time, right? Yeah. All the time. Yeah. For years since well, we've been, since we were, because we worked together before we started a company, and since since then. Yeah, so um, Nick is definitely my best friend and is still, even after starting a company, which is a good sign. So you're like, okay, this is definitely, this is, this is working out. But, uh, but yeah, no, there, we've talked about this. It's super weird. Um, we have a dynamic at work where we are totally willing to listen to each other's ideas. We are even harshly giving those ideas to each other. We get angry at each other a lot. Like, I wouldn't say angry. angry. Jesus. Not angry. So is it sibling-esque more than... uh, It's more just like like brutally honest about being very like, so hey, I really appreciate your idea. No, straight up earlier I think today. It's bad. Earlier today, I'm like, Nick, I do not like the music for this demo yeah. reel. I'm like, no, this isn't what and it's never in a harsh way of like your ideas are bad. It's like, I know what you're capable of. I think that we can work in a way that is more productive, whatever. Yeah. Like we can be super, super brutally honest with each other during the day, but if we're hanging out afterwards and having drinks, it's like none of that ever happened. Like we care so much about the company and so much about the brand oh, yeah. that all of that isn't even like we talk about it and we're like, okay, and now we're not gonna mention business. We're like all right, and and it's effortless to transition from that into what what is just a friendship. And yeah. to be honest with you, uh, we still talk about business. Like, what, like yeah, what, but it, obviously, but if you're in the shower I, and you're thinking about business, never stops. Because well, I was gonna say, like, to, like you're thinking, it's it's not that you like were looking for. It just kind of happened with that like organic like mm. uh, like you're doing different things. Basically, it was very similar where we were just kind of like. You're good at this. I'm good at this. We're not going to really tell each other how to do either one of the other thing. We're just going to do it. And then that's, that's really it. But yeah. I mean, you know? that being said, it's not completely divided. Like Nick has, I've learned a ton about video production and producing that. And my photography has been vastly improved because of my knowledge that he has about video. And he speaks so passionately about it that you want to learn. Um, and so it's kind of a matter of we have our different roles and we're both really happy to play to our strengths, but in ways that you naturally learn how to support the other person and, but, and grow but with them. But she'll still tell me if something looks like shit and she'll just be like, that looks <laughs> It doesn't <laughs> often look like shit. I know, but she'll just... Oh. It's usually the music. She'll usually say it sounds <laughs> like shit and I'll just... It's usually the music. What about, TJ, what about you? Like, what, what was the struggle? Oh, that was a real fart. The other two were, uh, that's the chair. You spit beer out. Okay. <laughs> I gotta fix uh, that chair. Yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take 
Another lighthearted if you have one. Can you get me a lighthearted to have on deck? <laughs> yeah, the first two I, I will take on more like a chair creaking, but that was a... <laughs> I'm really glad you didn't give that to TJ. I'd feel terrible right We're now. We're going to give that to the next guy. Yeah, definitely. No, no. We should just rotate the chairs was at random. The chair? Yes. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> that last one sounded like like your ass. Like, Nick, are you keeping both beers for yourself right now? I it well, wouldn't no, bother I can, me like, if you replicate it. We're far Nick. enough away. So. Like, <laughs> Nick. <laughs> oh, mine just did it actually. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> I don't know if that's These are definitely like... the worst podcast chairs of all time. <laughs> I think that's so. hard to argue with. But um but yeah, so what yeah. What was your question, Jared? I'm well, sorry. You know, like I could see... <laughs> So for you, um not not to like really continue too much down this road, but was it just the I can see how it's difficult when you are working with your spouse or partner or whatever, and then you go home and you're with that person again. Yep. Like it that that's a long that's a long drawn out time. And, you know, I think especially being an entrepreneur, it's good to have your own space and your own headspace and it's tough to, to break away from that yeah it's um i mean i dealt with that with uh, my wife bella and uh, my business partner where well more so with the, my wife where you you have like some disagreement at work you both want the same thing the company to be awesome yeah. <laughs> but you have a different way to get there and there'd be times where we maybe have a small tiff at work and then it goes home with you and and frankly like it wasn't healthy um you know we we cared both cared so much and we're so f fucking uh stubborn <laughs> that uh she ended up getting a job in chicago at the brazilian consulate my wife's brazilian so mm -hmm. she worked there um it was know. a sorry very casual way to drop an incredibly cool job it, just, it was a pretty cool job yeah. <laughs> now she works a, for just um a, you know, just you know chicago brazilian consulate no big deal <laughs> no she's awesome but uh it, it was better that way but to the point of you know your point of partnerships and the relationship you have to have i mean they're they're difficult like marriages you have to work on partnerships usually there's more money involved so it makes it even more difficult because there's a layer of complexity uh that you don't have with just the relationship and yeah, you know chris it, and i always want again always wanted the same end result an right. awesome fucking company but if you have a little bit different way to get there, uh, you're gonna have you're gonna butt heads, and th that's okay. It, it's it's healthy and natural. Well, and there's there's within a professional setting or you know, somewhat professional setting, I guess you have <laughs> boundaries. But when you're dealing with someone so personal, those boundaries mm -hmm. disappear really quickly. Exactly. And like, it's funny, just the idea of like with a partnership, you're almost more legally bound to your partner than you would be your spouse. Depending if you have a prenup or not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you don't, F fun side fact: in Brazil, um, you're required to sign a prenup. You Ooh. can determine what the prenup says, but there has to be some sort of financial agreement between the two parties before. I mean, generally, it, this, wow. the boilerplate one is fifty-fifty at the end. In so this like, modern whoa. day, which is actually kind of neat because then if there's a problem. Not not saying I love you, Bella. <laughs> but if something happens, like it's already determined, so you don't have to fight over it and spend a bunch of money on legal to figure it out for yeah. you it's like this is what we just this is what we signed up for <laughs> it's definitely it is definitely one of those things that like owning a business and dedicating that much time and energy towards it you do kind of have to have a certain kind of friend group a certain relationship with your spouse like there has to be almost an unspoken understanding that you won't be around as often as some of their other friends and mm -hmm. i might not speak to you for three months but then uh, if we get back together and everyone's still cool it's like all right you're the one that can can hang around still but 
Yeah. Not everyone can do that. Well, it, you know, go, and going back to the, uh, you know, it's your baby kind of comment, I will say that giving, the, giving up that sort of control at first is really hard, but after a while, it feels really good. Hell yes, man. Like, <laughs> where you're just like, okay. It's, it's going to be okay. I, I yeah. actually specifically remember the day that Chris and I, it was probably after almost a year and a half of being open. So, um, we had a you know fully functioning kitchen then things were going really well but neither of us had ever left uh at the same time during operations which is crazy it it was probably about a year uh but we looked at our our kitchen manager at the time sal and chris and i are both like we both want to go right now and he's like dude it's gonna be okay <laughs> like and it took us a year to get to that point yeah. but once you had that in place where you knew it was a smooth operation i mean when i left day-to-day operations um it was 50 employees and you had to trust that everybody's going to do their job and it it was a it's really hard to give up that trust but once you got there it felt so good like <laughs> holy crap yeah this, you we're gonna be okay things are gonna go on and yeah. you know it's like you hired these people for a reason but somehow you still feel like you have to be present oh. okay so, so tj i have a very serious question oh how many kids threw up in that play area that you guys had? I have no clue. <laughs> Someone's got I, a tally. Zero. I'm sure someone threw up there. It had to have happened, though. <laughs> that thing was gross. I, our, our staff. Oh, no, but it was awesome. But well, I'm sure there's a kid that threw up. It, yeah. During Too COVID times, fear. they don't even let kids in there right now because just imagine the amount of stuff they're spreading around. Ooh. Yeah. I was there once um, uh, with our son. He, he was little and he was... He's such a sweet boy. Love and that. he would, <laughs> there was this mom, I don't think she was from Michigan, but she had her family there. And there was a little girl who was probably a little bit too big to be in the play area. <laughs> and she, I don't remember her name, but she was playing with our son, Bo. And all of a sudden I look over and Bo's going, <laughs> and this mom says, Tracy, stop choking that boy. Oh my God. <laughs> I feel like she's not from Michigan. Thick Southern accent. Well, I'm, I may be. Uh, God damn it, Tracy! <laughs> I told you, choking people. It's only acceptable. Like, how do you how do you yell that? Like, why don't you go over and stop your daughter from choking? We dealt with that so much. Where some what? parents used that as a, not, not the choking part. <laughs> oh, but. You know, some parents thought it was like a daycare, so they just let their kids run like crazy. You know, other parents were respectful and yeah. sat next to their kids in the play area as like a privilege. I'm at a brewery. I get to have my kids here hanging out somewhere <laughs> like, oh, look at this playground. Here's, you know, here's three dollars and quarters. Go play oh some pinballs and arcades. And it wasn't meant to be that, but it, it turned into that. And frankly, um, Chris and I said when we opened the place, like, we don't know what this is going to be. This could be like the next gay bar in Kalamazoo. And cool like yeah. what our customers demand and we quickly saw we had originally just the one side about 4,000 square feet and we busted the wall on the other side um after the gym went out of business uh and, and part of our conversation was we see so many families coming in here playing the board games playing the arcades that we had a small area we literally need to accommodate that because the millwood neighborhood is full of young families mm -hmm. and if they have a kid area wow like and and frankly my business partner i i i don't have kids i'm i don't dislike kids but 
my business <laughs> partner probably <laughs> didn't like them as much as I, and he we disagreed, but we we came to the conclusion this is the right decision for the business. And our feelings aside, it, this is the right decision for the business. So yeah. we landed on that, and well, you've been in there on a Sunday, Jared. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's good and it's crazy and. Uh, there's really not choking going on. I should say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, one time. On an happened. average Sunday, it's a very minimal so, amount of so choking. Curious, when you guys made that choice, did was there like a substantial uptick that you guys noticed in business like after you made that choice? That's a big thing to like basically double. The uptick be, uh, yeah. was because uh, we were so crowded on the one side that mm. people stopped coming. Like it was blessing and a curse, right? People stopped coming because it was too busy on the one side. So I think um, it, it encouraged more of the families to come, but at the same time, it just encouraged more people to come because we had the space to accommodate them. Oh, yeah. Well, and yeah, and I will say, and this is probably, uh, I'm not a kid person at all, like I <laughs> oh, at yeah. all, but at the same time, I appreciate the fact that you took what would have been, because people can get really cocky about what they think their business should be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, I built it around this principle. I want adults there and only adults playing my board games. And to actually take what you see the market need for and accommodate that rather than like what you actually would rather do with your own personal time and what you would personally choose to spend time around, I think is really clever um, from a business standpoint. But... That being said, I still enjoy my time at OneWell, even I was, uh, with the I was, I was actually Chris's children. therapist because of that exact same thing you're saying. Like the board games were his, you know, he brought his board game collection oh, to no. OneWell to start and then would, you know, accumulate new board, awesome board games he loved. I really don't give a shit about board games besides something simple, but he loved these strategy games and so he'd get all these games and, and then the kids would just destroy them and throw them everywhere. Oh, and no. he'd come to my office and just so frustrated. And I just basically, <laughs> you know, type in emails and like listen to him for 30 minutes about how we need to put more signs up and stuff. And I, I got it. That was his passion. Uh, but it was so funny because he, you know, he had to, he had, he had to do what was best for the business um, in spite of it shitting on his passion. <laughs> and yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember. So Mike had a studio down from our office our first office at park trade center and uh that's how i started getting to know mike was walking down there through art hops and he was really doing screen printing at that point still and then you and i got teamed up tj through mike mm -hmm. and we did a collaboration with one well which was Short-lived, but awesome. <laughs> I think uh, we did Simcorillo. Yeah. was a IPA. I can't remember. That was either a candle or a lip balm. We did uh, the Whoppy, which is a candle or a lip balm. Or a, yeah. <laughs> then Sweetwater Street, which was a candle, candle or, or a lip, lip balm. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that was always a goal at One Wolf, like partnering with as many cool local companies as possible. Yeah. At, outside of what I said before, Chris and I being in front of our customers all the time, like forming as many community partnerships as possible, I think elevated us pretty quickly too. Like so we just I guess on that note, kind of the, the theme of developing community partners and really getting mm -hmm. to know the people that you're interacting with, how do you feel that is um, influencing the way that you go about doing your discover column as you work right now? Uh, it's funny. I love it. Uh, you know, I was 
tasked to be in the interim position and in all transparency i'm actually applying for the permanent position uh i love promoting beer and having those community partnerships but in the end you were kind of shoehorned into what you could promote um and it's a great feeling to be able to promote all of the awesome stuff in kalamazoo we were i mean sure we're gonna work with all of you in the future, we already were working with on either a candle or a lip balm. <laughs> but yeah, you're not limited. I mean, it's not just Kalamazoo, the city either. We, we were representing all of Kalamazoo County, and you know, you look at the Air Zoo, um, Gilmore Car Museum. They're a little bit outside of Kalamazoo County. Um, th- there's so much awesome stuff here that we can talk about, and it's never ending. So it, it's, I think I was built for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. So, like, I I'm not going to like say anything like super specific just because I don't know whatever happens in the company. Say it, man. I'm just saying that like <laughs> I, ever since I heard you were interim, I was like, well, is that permanent? Like, that should be permanent, right? Like, yeah, I was like, so is that just a thing that we can like keep? <laughs> I was like, can we just continue that? <laughs> that is not my decision. <laughs> I, I figured. <laughs> we can all, can we all place a vote though? Be like, one for TJ, two for TJ. <laughs> no, the, uh, so. I, like I mentioned, I sit on the board of directors, and when I told them after a couple of months uh, sitting in the interim role that I was um, interested in the permanent role, I had to obviously not be involved in the new CEO hiring process. But sure. honestly, they're they're going through a formal process. It's a quasi-government organization. Um, we get funding through an accommodations tax on hotel stays in Kalamazoo County. So, mm-hmm. like, they're doing the right thing. I hope I'm the person for the job. If I'm not, I really hope they have somebody awesome in that role because they deserve somebody awesome the organization's phenomenal and people always think about like discover Kalamazoo it's just leisure tourism right like no we we promote meetings and events to Kalamazoo so you think of the Michigan Brewers Guild or any association you've ever been a part of communities around the country are fighting for those events to come to their communities Mm. because there's so much economic development that's happening around those events, right? Hotel nights, people going out to bars and restaurants, spending money at our local businesses. Um, And that's our goal is to recruit them with the hotels, get them to come to Kalamazoo or support them when they're here and make them have a great time when they're here from all the cool leisure aspects and hope they come back for the next year's event. So you really don't think like being a Kalamazoo resident, you don't think about all of that going into it. It's crazy too, because we are we have so many awesome things in Kalamazoo because because of these people coming in we couldn't support these local businesses without all the tourists coming in here so on the meetings and events and mm-hmm. leisure side of things they're all they're making it possible for us to enjoy the the amazing totally i was just going to say Jarrett, i 100% take for granted all of the super cool events that we have here and not just events but things like we have mountain bike trails and we have sports teams yeah. that you actually want to watch and all of this once again is made possible because there's a desire for it and there's a demand yeah. for it and uh and yeah and then you go travel to i'm not going to pick on Dayton Ohio but i am kind of going to pick on Dayton Ohio <laughs> <laughs> but you go to a different town and all of a sudden you realize everything there is to offer in Kalamazoo and i appreciate the fact that um there's an entire organization dedicated to making sure that the events and those um assets essentially are kind of appreciated one one feeds the other like kalamazoo is so creative and so uh progressive and that feeds into that tourism part and then also then businesses are given the liberty to be as creative and as progressive as opposed to you go to you know someplace on the eastern side of the state let's just say and it's <laughs> vapid 
You yeah. know, and you're just like, it's mm, honestly the, the coolest mm. fucking job ever. <laughs> and the people that work there care so much. They're passionate about the community. I mean, you've worked with our marketing team there. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. They're like, they love their jobs and they love this community. And it's seriously the, the easiest job because the people around you care so much. That's fair. Total, I mean, everyone we've worked there has literally just been an instant, like, so we're friends, right? It's like, it's yeah. just like cool people. Cause you know that like, it's, there's a thing that comes across where they're not like, hitting you up as a like hey i'm the marketing person i've got to hit my quotas you know i gotta, I gotta like yep. spend this budget it's hitting you up and like hey we gotta make something cool it's like how do we make something really cool and it's it's that and then when you show them whatever you've made they're like really excited about it because like this is yes. like i'm so excited to, to, to put this stuff out and it reinvigorates you about the community we live in i mean i, I saw one they, uh before i came on they they put out and um it was all to do with nature. Had always had some nature component in, in it, and I'm and I just like, I'm like, oh, I got to get my kayak out now. It's time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get my dog yeah. in the front of my kayak. <laughs> like it, it makes me proud of being a resident of this community. Something I frequently forget is actually how we're this like weirdly like big small community, mm-hmm. and it's this thing like I've talked to Esther about it a lot about how it's like I I'm. I hate when people are like, oh, I got to go to like Chicago or Detroit or New York or California to do something big when it's like, like when you look at the people who are here already, it's like they came back, like they went out there, they said, this isn't doing it for me. And then they came here and like made something a lot of the time. Yeah. Yeah. When, when Bridget and I lived out in Portland, we would go to all these places and, and Portland is amazing. But at the same time we would be there and, and we would always say, well, that's kind of like this in Kalamazoo, or that's kind of <laughs> like that in Kalamazoo. And when we moved back here and we, we started a business, the amount of direct communication and support that you have from the community, mm. I don't think we would be able to have, um, you know, we probably would have deflated in the first year if it wasn't for the support of the community. And I'm sure you guys all... Oh yeah. Way. We've, I mean, we've talked about it a lot and this is something that we've noticed. Uh, we did a project with Kalamazoo community foundation last year and you hear it from all of like different income levels, different statuses all over the city is Kalamazoo is the perfect size to actually matter. Like yeah. no matter who you are, you actually can do something that makes a difference here. And that's not something you would necessarily get in a larger city with mm. a community that's, that's, too big to like you essentially have to make a big break in order to actually That's find something there one of the reasons i moved here actually i was living in uh brazil for three years and um working for a company based in chicago my family's on in the middle of the state and we were looking for a spot between the two i'm like i've been to kalamazoo and it's awesome like this is the, the we got to move here and you you can actually like you said make an impact in chicago i was a very very small fish in a large pond and here it's a medium-sized pond maybe i'm a <laughs> yeah. medium-sized fish but i'll settle for that in a medium-sized pond yeah, yeah like chicago you can make an impact in a neighborhood yeah yep or whatever but here yeah you you have total access to people like you know you would see bobby just walking down the street and you'd have access and, and that's amazing well, the amount of times i just run into bobby places <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I Always saw him watching yesterday walking down the sidewalk. Did his sunglasses match his socks? Is what I have. Did. I mean, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it's really. It's interesting just because from like the business owner mindset, as we've like kind of started being a business, 
it was a thing where I still to this day, I'm like, we're, you know, like, there's not shit. We don't have shit going on in like my head is what I think. <laughs> and then like, as like we talk to people and they're like, oh, you like, you guys are doing such cool stuff. I'm like, you saw that. I was like, why are you even talking to me? <laughs> I was like, you have no, I have no right talking to you. <laughs> like, and I still feel that way, but it's, I've come to notice. It feels like a lot of people actually, there's very few people who are like, I'm hot shit around here because everyone yeah. is like, I just wanted to make something. And I did, and here's my cool thing that I made. Like, Yeah, and if people are doing that, it's kind of like a front, you know? Mm. Yeah. I guess on that note, because, uh, yeah, I'm always curious to hear for any given business or any given brand what your I've arrived moment is. I, uh, I always am yeah. so curious because it's different for each person. I mean, for some people, it's like the sticker on the door. Well, obviously, it's right now for TJ. I Clearly. Clearly yeah. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I still have not arrived. <laughs> uh, the car is waiting for you. <laughs> my story would be Chris and I. Before we opened, we had a couple beers on tap at one well. We could do sampling. Well, technically, I don't know if that was legal or not, but Bell's had a homebrew competition, and these people are all going to pick up their, their wort. It's, a, you know, the unfermented beer. <laughs> but we knew these were captive audience to tell them about our new brewery. So we literally went there with 250 stickers, and these people are standing in a line of, you know, 500 people. And we were just like beating them over the head saying, hey, we're opening a brewery down in Millwood. You got to come check us out. Come out today. Literally come out today. You can sample some of our beers. And people like actually started coming out that day. And it, it, it but nobody knew who we were. You know, we had 300 Facebook followers at the time. I, there's got to be 15,000 now or something. I don't, I don't know what it is. But, um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think the, maybe this is um, egotistical, but the moment I think I realized we arrived was when I got to the point of not beating people over the head, but being offended by they they didn't know the coolest <laughs> brewery in Kalamazoo, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, you not Bell's, seen Bell's the is dark. really cool, but yeah, I, I'm partial. Um, <laughs> what about you guys, Nick and Esther? When, yeah. When was your arrival? So I, I've gone back and forth. Because I feel like I've had multiple moments where I'm like, we've done it. And then I like went two days later and I'm like, oh, we're still not shit. Yep. And, <laughs> and it would be like, like we have this sign right there on our door. And I remember the first time like the vinyl sticker came off. I was like, we're falling apart. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what am I? Initially I was like, does it get better than this? The and then we got sticker. a water cooler. <laughs> yeah. And then I realized that I'm like, you know, you should have things before your vinyl sticker, like air conditioning <laughs> and like a fridge and like a microwave that <laughs> you're just describing like any honestly ever. <laughs> yeah like basic human like, need things yeah. right but i had a vinyl sticker that i was really yeah. pumped about but i don't know is i i still don't think i'm at that point where i felt like we've like made it i felt like we've done cool things that i'm like proud of that we've done but i by no means would ever say that we're the people who are like well, this is it we've done it this is my moment, you know, I'm like, there's still just a bunch of things I'd like to do. And like, even with elemental, I'm like, there's a million things that I want to try to do. Even in like my, what we're doing it, like everything about it, I don't think it's a hundred percent achieved yet. Yeah. I think there, are, uh, there are moments where you feel like you have little wins where you're like, yeah, yeah. yeah. But you plateau and you always yeah. no, And that, I think that's a good thing. Honestly, yeah. if you feel like you've learned everything and you feel like you're at the top and there's nothing else to do, then that is exactly when your business becomes stale and there's nothing the, yeah. that people need it from it anymore. Or when you see somebody else and you're like, 
oh man, that is amazing. And like it, it amps you up and it drives you to be like, to get to that level. That, that's that? uh, it's interesting. You say that uh, I, it's maybe anecdotal, but the, I'm always seeking information, right? Like asking questions of oh, everyone, nice. no matter what, you just got to be curious. And I, I think in life, I say I'm, seriously, I've never arrived until somebody's asking me all of the questions in the conversation because there are so yeah. many people that I've just gravitated towards and it's constantly me asking them questions. Mm-hmm. And if I find a person like me that's 20 years younger when I'm you know 80 and is constantly <laughs> barraging me with questions, that's when I think I will feel like I've arrived. Like, I'm the guy now. Yeah. I love yeah. that. <laughs> what I about want- you, Jarrett? Because... Everyone's everyone's shared that we're not shit moment, but we kind of arrived now. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, there's it's been incremental, I I, I guess. Um, I think the kind of the first step in that is our second year. We got an email that I thought was a joke, <laughs> um, and it was from this person at Martha Stewart magazine, and they were like you know, we've uh, purchased your product and you've been nominated for a Martha Stewart Maker Award. We thought it was a joke. (laughs) And we ended up getting on a call with them. And she's like, yeah, Martha really is likes your product. And they referenced her by name. Yeah. What the heck? I I just remember like hanging up the phone and going, well, that's something. (laughs) <laughs> that's I can't imagine Martha Stewart putting on beard oil but that is <laughs> like there's a lot you don't know about Martha so, yeah I know <laughs> so what was your follow-up to that because it, I totally get that like this is a bunch of bullshit phone call yeah there's, yeah. there's a chance that I wouldn't have even like done anything about that Nick I, I would say phone that calls. every time that I've thought that has been something that has been a, a leap up and we always get these crazy things. I think we were talking about the podcast the other two weeks ago. And I said, remember, and I, we were talking about something. And I said, hey, look at this. And I showed you an email that just came through from Walmart. Yeah. And you're just like, but it, that doesn't always mean that you've arrived. It just means you have attention. It's which true. Which I think is completely different. And is Walmart the attention you want? That's the question. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess that leads to my one thing that once again, like I actually feel is was a big deal to me personally. And I know you guys have heard it now, but it's just the fact that like when you walk into Nanla Burger <laughs> and you're really excited about their Korean chicken sandwich this day and the person behind the counter actually recognizes you as somebody from Elemental. Yeah. That's probably the only recognition I need ever. And uh, it's not that I've arrived. It's just that I could probably die happy. So still lots to learn. Obviously, I need all of Nanla's employees uh, to know me by my order. Um, And then (laughs) and then I will feel like I've arrived. But uh, yeah, once again, I think it goes back to just the fact that the community itself is super cool and, and small enough that like you you feel like you make a difference here. I agree. There, there was. I, I should. I want to take mine back. <laughs> no, you can't. You um, can't take back Martha Stewart. That's, because it's too cool. We did. We uh, our first office was at the Park Trade Center, and we had, um, you know, they have that huge LED billboard, and we put like a sign up on that, you know, an ad up on that, and we had an art hop, and somebody came in. And they bought something from us and they said, oh yeah, you know, I'm so glad that you guys put that sign up because it reminded me I needed, I needed to buy more product from you. 
And we're like, wait, you know who we are. You know that you need a refill. And you saw the sign. And it was, that, that was really cool. You know? It was such a good experience the first time that I saw the sign. I'm like, yeah. I got to continue to support these and people. And just to know that you're in somebody's mind yeah, yeah. is a very powerful thing. Definitely. That's a great point. And that's really intoxicating like as a, an entrepreneur to just be like, I want more of that. I want to make more of a difference and an impact and the right way, not the because there's a lot of snake oil things out there. <laughs> One thing I've struggled with actually, and I, you know, you're both, um, well, companies that have existed but never sold or transitioned on to something else is in a community our size. I, mm. I've struggled with. Um, I'm not trying to like get rid of my identity as the One Wall guy, but yeah. that's how people recognize me as the person from one well mm-hmm. so right um having them recognize that in the past i had, had a lot of experience that led me to the success at one well and um making them understand in my current role yeah i'm not just the one well guy like all all these other things built who i was so yeah that was just like a chapter yeah yep yeah, yeah. No, I, I, it's so funny. It's a thing that I was trying to talk about all the time about like the growth of our companies because it feels like right now, like Elemental is like, go talk to Nick and Esther. And we're like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, like we super appreciate that. We really like, we will never discount that. But it's like at some point it would be, we don't want it to always be the Nick and Esther show. You know, we want it to be a thing that you can go to an account manager and know that you're still talking yeah. to the company in the same quality without needing to talk to directly either one of us. That's really interesting because I don't, I don't get any of that because I don't really, I'm not the face of mm-hmm. our brand at all. Um, so it's really interesting to hear that. And I, I see the same thing with like um, Josh Cook from Green Door. Yep. You know, um, people are very much the face of the, like you are very much the face. I would say probably more than Chris. I don't know. I, 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 I don't know either, but um, maybe I just, because I, I know you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, I wonder how difficult that is to kind of not shed that, but grow from it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that was important for me is uh, show people that it, I was capable of doing something. So yeah. the next thing I did, they recognized, oh, okay, well. Maybe he's not just the one wall guy. He's also um, a set of things that built him to be the one wall guy. Right. I, yeah. yeah. And that is something that we've actually heard from other people in the community that know you is essentially that it's not the matter of like, that is the business that uh, essentially is your identity, but it's a matter of you just have the business mindset. That, and I'm glad to hear that. Actually, yeah. No, for sure. From one wall. I, I hear that all the time. And I'm like, oh, what? Well, I think, what, what about me? <laughs> no. The one thing that people always say about TJ, though, is that he is so like wicked smart. Mm-hmm. Oh, every time. Like that is the thing that I, I think that um, if you just met you at one well, you wouldn't really know. But if you talk, like we started this podcast so we could basically have conversations that we have at our happy hours with our buddies and colleagues who are brands and entrepreneurs and have, you know, just talk to you for even five minutes outside of one well, just commiserating on brands like you realize how fucking smart you are so it's so funny you say that because the first time i ever met tj i was chasing him i was, <laughs> I was gonna 
bring this story up? Yeah, no. On a scooter, right? Yeah, yeah. Like he was on a scooter. Oh, I need more details. No, yeah. so it was like right when they bought their production facility. Yep. And it was just a big empty warehouse. Ten thousand square feet. Yeah, big empty. And he just was like, Yeah, we use the scooter to get around. And I just was like there with a camera and he's like, Do you wanna like chase me? He's like, Do you wanna like chase me and film me? And I was like, I've never been asked that before, so yes. So I literally have probably like a four minute long clip still. I still have it of just chasing. I got to see this. Yeah. <laughs> I think I have it here. Can we to be put honest. that link in the episode. I know that's it's, our teaser for this like, episode. The first time I ever met TJ, he's just like chilling with like a pop up table in this like big empty warehouse, and he's like, <laughs> "That was my off." <laughs> and he's just like, "Hey, chase me on this scooter," and I was like, "Sure, man." So I chased him on the scooter, and. Now art and then art was made. Art was made. <laughs> My first, um, I, I, Esther and I ran in similar circles, but uh, I think the first notable experience is uh, we had a, a team outing, one wall team outing to a Kalamazoo Growers baseball game. Oh, and we, one no. of our employees said, we should go to Duck in Waddle Out afterwards. And I ran into you there and I, I thought this place didn't exist. I'm like, who names what a place Duck in Waddle Out? Oh, I said karaoke that Karaoke, night. yeah. <laughs> So you saw, you both saw the the worst in me, but I'm I'm glad I have <laughs> such high regards. I what? I didn't know this. Oh God. Nick, uh, I am so sad that wait. you brought up your past story because now that's. A I thing. didn't know this is how you met TJ. I'm pretty we, sure we I sang House of the Rising whoa, whoa, Sun. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> After what song? Yeah, it was House of the Rising Sun. Although not handlebars, Nick knows this one. Flowbots handlebars is my typical karaoke song. <laughs> oh, so it, this is something you do? Oh, no. we had a we had a no 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 this, only when I'm drinking too much. Only there was a <laughs> so thing. after this podcast. <laughs> there was a thing that happened once. We're not talking about that thing. I know. Ooh. No no no. It was a good it was a good karaoke. Experience. I do know all the lyrics to handlebars, but I didn't. That I night. believe you. So, uh, so <laughs> what I was gonna ask, because diversion. You had a fold-up table in a 10,000-square-foot facility. I need to know what everyone's first awkward office situation was, because ours was great, too. Worst office setup? Um, when I worked remotely in Brazil, uh, I sat on the edge of a bed. I had a <laughs> stool that sat on the edge of the bed, and the bed was my office. And I had a, this shitty pair of headphones, and all my clients thought um, I was in Chicago, but I was sitting... There in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. That is amazing. Yeah, that was worse than the folding table, actually. <laughs> I guess the edge of a bed looks the same anywhere in the world. Yeah. <laughs> we were using Skype then, so it didn't matter. Oh, before the Zoom days. I kind of yep. miss Skype still. <laughs> Jarrett, please tell me oh, you have an Oh, man, one. mine is not dissimilar from TJ's. Um, so when we first started, we, we were operating out of um, my kitchen apartment. Um but I didn't have enough room in that house for an office too. But my parents live very close by. So I used my old childhood bedroom. <laughs> it's actually kind of cool. As an office. And was it still decorated like Blue's Clues? No, it was totally cleared out. I, Blue's Clues. Ha- Sorry. I'm almost 40 years old. No, There's no, that no was, that was a jab at Nick. Continue. She's talking about my childhood bedroom. <laughs> So um, I remember fielding weird like emails from like Birchbox in my childhood bedroom and it felt like I was lying to everybody (laughs) (laughs) and the male woman hated me because we would hang out like 
50 packages on the side of the mailbox. Oh. Like, there you go. <laughs> and I remember saying to my mom, like, really should tip the mail the mail carrier well this year. No, you should. You need to do that. <laughs> mom, I, I, am, it. I am mailing it from your house, so it's on you. Yeah. Our first office was my kitchen, but that wasn't my worst office situation at all. I used to edit photos sitting on the... Because my... <laughs> My first house that I bought was absolutely tiny. I bought it during like the housing market crash. And so I was just like, I can buy a house for 65 grand. And so I did. And it was absolutely <laughs> tiny and like awful. And there wasn't enough room for both a desk and an office chair. So I'd sit on the edge of the couch uh, as my desk chair editing photos. And it wasn't like an ergonomic height at all. The whole thing was awful. And uh, eventually, yeah, no, dude, it was bad. That. Yeah, my, my arms did not go that far. And, uh, <laughs> and after about seven hours of that, I'd have so much back pain that that's when I would know it's the end of the work day. Because I'm just like, I can't sit up wow. with no back support anymore. I guess something must be wrong with me me because like the day i moved out of my parents house i was like three monitors see and i feel like that was a job at jarrett you don't always have to move out of your parents house. no <laughs> no i it was like the it day tip for you because <laughs> no. i was like i was like first apartment i was like dual monitor with like a 43 inch screen all synced together like i had like this entire like way too expensive setup because i spent all of my money at that time on this setup i and then I pretty much have never given it up. I've never, everywhere I've gone, I've been like, if I can't have a similar multi-monitor setup, then I'm not going to have a setup that there. That is so rock and roll. So your experience <laughs> is way better than ours. I, uh, I actually yeah. think that's, yeah, what are you trying to say? I appreciate that a lot about Nick because I don't think the business would be where it is if it weren't for the fact that he was willing to give up massive quality of living yeah. for the sake of doing his job. Oh, yeah. dude, uh, the apartment before them, you saw the same building. The I'm in like a, I don't know, 900 square foot. No, no, no. 600? Don't even tell them about this. Tell them about the rice. Because that's what I'm oh, talking about. So rice. Oh, she's with the rice. Right. So, okay. <laughs> so what she's talking about is, so I used to live with my brother. And instead of like buying food, which is a thing that most people have. Sure. <laughs> I would buy 20 pound bags of rice. That's food, you know, Nick. So it's that food. you can still buy camera equipment <laughs> with the leftover money. Well, so that's the thing is... <laughs> I would not eat it still. So we would just, we had these, we had 40 pounds of rice that sat in our apartment for, I think, two years. And you would use it to weight lift? No, it just sat there. Oh, this became a really sad story, actually. I I feel like (laughs) the worst story. Well, so the thing is, so once again, you know, as as a person who's like living with a roommate and you're like, ah, no one gives a shit. You know, like the, like your, your measuring cup, like an actual cup, the, the, Rice bag never left the top of the fridge, but we would just like stick the rice cup in the, in the rice hole. <laughs> the rice hole. It's a new one for me. I don't know like, where you're no. supposed to get the rice from. I don't know. That's what, all I knew it as. Okay, and then what was the rice used for? <laughs> now I'm really. You said you never ate it. Yeah. No. Forty pounds of rice seems so. We excessive. Our thinking was that if. If the only thing I can pay this month is I like can't rent, wait to hear this. no. <laughs> just, I was like, I'm like, I'm a genius. If I spend no money this month on anything except rice, except rice, I spend like two dollars, and I can eat the whole month every day on rice. You could. Well, uh-huh. genius is a, a term. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh... so 
So that's how we started a business. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I took... Right. Because Nick's cost of living was $2 a month. Because I took, like, our income at the beginning, I took such a small amount to be able to start everything that, it, like, we could just buy every piece of camera gear we wanted because every dollar went, like, well, straight back into the company. I say every piece we wanted. We built up to that. Well... <laughs> Well, so I have to ask, okay, so we've, Esther and Nick, we, we've kind of had, uh, we've had a conversation about this before, but TJ, I want to ask before one, well, what were the names in the queue to call the brewery? What was the worst one? Oh yeah. Dude, what were, what no was like, clue. you don't remember? No. Like, Oh, Jared's got some good ones. I'm <laughs> sure they're written down somewhere, but I can't remember it, the, the name came about, um, funny enough. Chris, his uh, original brewing partner that he probably brewed with a couple times was Dan Caswell. Chris's mm-hmm. last name is O'Neill. So it was O'Neill Caswell one well. Oh, wow. Mm. And um, oh. like we talked about a bunch of names and had started writing a business plan. And he never brought it up. And um, one day he's like, oh, we, my, my former brewer partner and I came up with this. And then my sister did this little sketch of it. And I'm like... Why didn't you tell me this before? Because it, <laughs> it translated so well to what we want to do. One well uh, community gathering place. Um, yeah. The place y'all come together. And like, it doesn't bother me at all. That was an idea from them because we kind of yeah. transformed it into something that actually made sense. So it just happened to work out. That, that awesome. was Yeah. We I didn't use the that. original sketch. Mike um, designed multiple original yeah. sketches for us. But yeah. But the name, it was very suiting for what we were trying to trying to do. So. I love that. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Share it. Come on. <laughs> the people need to know. Jared, we know. I'll, but I'll just say one well, There's right two now. that I love. <laughs> <laughs> Stubble and bubble. <laughs> What's the bubble part? The soap. Oh. <laughs> Which I think probably would have gone way further than Damn Handsome Grooming Co. I mean, you would have had way more Walmart brands trying to copy yeah. you if it was Double Damn Handsome was a great choice because you could... <laughs> well, you almost a little bit shoehorned yourself into like Damn Handsome using the word handsome. It maybe is not a women's product word. Yeah, we've had a lot of confusion um, with people say, oh, hi, Dan. <laughs> no, nope, damn. And this happens oh, a lot on the phone with like it's not Dan no. Handsome. I thought it was Dan Handsome Dan this Hansom. whole time. I thought, yeah, okay, no. so it's not a person's name. It's actually um, the word damn. We've also had a lot of confusion early on with people walking by a, an event space and going, hmm, beer soup. And like, no, what? no, it's beer soap. <laughs> what? I mean, I the pumps and everything would have like. <laughs> See, these are the things that like I read and I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Damn handsome beer soap. But then it just takes that that one to seventy-two people to read it incorrectly yeah. and then you're But have you found um it difficult to market to women because the name damn handsome? Because obviously you make candles, right? Soap. People yeah. men and women use that, but the it's term so... handsome is often associated with men, obviously. It's so funny oh. though. Um I would say sixty-five percent of our customer base are women oh okay uh because they're buying for somebody else but then they find something they want too and they're like oh i could either, rock this yeah they either find something that they want or they're just you know some guys just don't like to shop mm-hmm. i mean not not me like i would shop all day but yeah some guys just don't like to shop so the, the women uh their partners or wives or whatever will shop for them and if i look at like our marketing stats it's about 65 percent women 
I mean, like I know a lot of guys and I'm I actually don't think anyone at this table right now. So please excuse yourselves sure, from sure. what I'm about to say. But a lot of guys would use a one bar of soap for like absolutely everything like hair and face so, and body and all of that. Once again, being someone who is friends with a lot of people who had roommates and as rice. like can, can confirm. So I was so <laughs> we cleaned ourselves rice, <laughs> but only one so, rice. You know, the sad thing is <laughs> I think. I felt like the smart one with the rice for a while there. Oh my God. So, but being, you're totally right. There were so many people who the idea of buying, you buy your either bar of soap or like your one massive like bottle of like men's dove. It's whatever. like seven in one. Yeah, no, it's like body wash, conditioner, shampoo, whatever. And you're like, oh, this covers all my bases. It's like, no, it didn't really, you know, all that stuff is like at, at that level it is all the same it really is but i mean to the point of like if you want something really nice it's like a lot of a lot of the time it is like that female in their life or that significant mm -hmm. other that's like no i want you to have this awesome thing yeah. it you like beer um you should smell nice here's this yeah. grooming product that you never would have found on your own and and that's how it starts because it True. could be that's you know they love it from that point on but it was never something they would have even thought to explore on their own yeah um so, I mean, you, you market to who, who's going to buy it, not yep. who you think is going to buy it. And, and that's, I think that's a really good yeah. like takeaway for any company is that like, you can't be so precious about what you think your brand is or your product is because people are going to tell you, the market is going <clears> to <throat> tell you really, really quickly, yep. hopefully really, really quickly what that is. And you have to be able to adjust to that. Uh, if you don't listen to them. Yeah. yeah, that's how you have uh, children in your brewery, and, and that's how you have a cute Instagram account instead of trying to have it just only, you know, here's how to polish your axe with beard oil. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the only thing that we have to do before we end it, obviously, is thank TJ for being our first guest. Yay! Thank you for being this. I'm, I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah. I hope the two people that listen to this uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Us too, yeah. honestly. First of all, there Nick's will be a, us, at least oh, three dude, people listening my mom to this. Looks at, mom and, uh, <laughs> dude, my mom looks at yeah. everything we do. Um, but the, the one thing that we do need to do, uh, so I had the honor of bringing the first guest. Oh. Now we need to do oh, paper, yeah. rock, scissors for Nick and Esther to okay. decide who's going to bring the next is it, guest. Is it best two out of three or just one go and... That's it. If if we don't tie, then that's that's it. That's it. It's one, two, three, go. Okay. One, two, three, go. All right. Oh, uh, uh, right, right, ready? Yep, yep. One, two, three, go. Oh, tie. One, two, three, go. Are oh you my kidding God. me? Both one, rocks. two, three, go. Looks oh. like we got Nick as the winner with scissors over paper. All right, Master. so I'm bringing the next guest. I hope you're ready for me to steal whoever you had in mind. I know you're thinking of whoever I was going to think of. Don't fuck it's this up. It's not going to be Fritz. That's fair. <laughs> awesome okay thank you so thanks, much tj yes thanks for having me